season nine. Yes, indeed. Let's right. keep that. I I'm serious. <laughs> Don't delete that. <laughs> what about you, Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. Heard on who they wanna be now. Webbound, ebound. Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. Heard on who they wanna be now. Webbound, ebound. Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. Heard on who they wanna be now. Webbound, ebound. Everybody walking like me now. Everybody talking like me now. Heard on who they wanna be now. Whack, whack, damn shit, killer. Watch I got holes in the dinner. Damn. I ain't been home in a minute. What? I ain't never seen no ceiling. Come and got yeah, he nailin'. Audio, I'm top billing. Yeah. All of my boys dope dealing. What? Super whack, I'm no villain. Huh. Nigga try to take my flow. Who the hell we think he is? Welcome back, everybody, to Jeff versus the World presents Lovecraft Country Review. Episode uh number five. Uh, this episode will be entitled Strange Case. And like always, I got my homie here, Tiffany. How's it doing? How's it going? Hey, everybody, it's going good. Hope everything is well with you. Uh, so we have reached a point uh, when we last left off, uh, Montrose had just murdered, <laughs> just <laughs> murdered. Uh, uh, what was her name? No, I'm bad with names. Yeah, Yahima. Yahima. And yeah, now we're here. Uh, as we were talking off air, I felt like, and I know what I said last week, that every episode that we have here doesn't really feel like a filler. But this week's episode felt like a filler to me um, just because there was minimum movement in the storyline that we've all been seeing. You know, Montrose trying to figure out basically what the fuck is going on and and basically everybody else around him. The whole group, the, I guess you want to say the whole uh, trio of uh, him, Letty, and uh, Montrose right now. Uh, this episode seemed to dive more into Ruby and uh, Montrose, especially Montrose, because we see him basically uh, go to his lover. I guess that's his lover. I'm at, I don't know what else you would call him or his confident. I don't know. I don't want to say his jump off because it seemed like there's is more there to the relationship. But uh yeah, before I keep going too far into the episode, uh what did you think about this episode? Um I slightly disagree and I I briefly spoke on it with you as far as it being filler. I think it as we've said in previous episodes that you have to watch everybody's character and everybody's story plays some way, somehow into things. And just like you referenced with Montrose and the story, and we'll deep dive into that as we review the episode. But once we learn this internal struggle that he's been going through, you kind of understand him from the previous episodes. Um, same can be said for Ruby, like may not be a part of the trio going on these quests and things like that. But to understand her, the dynamics um, that kind of bring, you know, her character to life, I I didn't find it as a filler. And then I just felt like we learned more about, you know, two characters that we've been seeing up to this episode. 
Well, yes, there was a, there was a lot of character development uh, as far as those two characters, and I think that's one thing I do uh, again appreciate for the show. Everybody that we saw in episode one is playing a part. Um, mm-hmm. and it, whether it's big or small, it seems like almost everybody's getting their time on the screen. Everybody has a story. Everybody, everybody is getting that chance to flush out their character. Uh, for at least season one, you know, you getting to learn and see what's going on. Um. Yeah, I, I, I just maybe I was wrong to say it's a filler, but I just don't know. You know, I think we got so involved with the story that having this like little sideways, like, well, let's let's see what was going on with Ruby, and because I feel like the ultimate goal with Ruby is we need to if we can't get to Letty and um, Tick, then we'll find you know we'll go to their loved ones, we'll go through their loved ones, and I feel like that's going to play a point because now she's close with uh William <laughs> we'll say William for right now <laughs> <laughs> but elephant we'll, in the room we'll steam them. <laughs> elephant in the room uh Tiffany was right uh when she said uh so yeah um I guess we just want to pick up where we left off and start I know we don't have to hit everything but I'm sure we will because yeah. we always do <laughs> I, we, we'll try to be abbreviated, you know, just get to the, the points. I mean, we can't we can't ignore the the opening scene though, and that of course is Ruby waking up from her, her lovely love making with William. Um, they finally got to the bed um, from the steps, <laughs> I assume, um, <laughs> and we kind of see this white woman laying in the bed and we like okay that's not Christina because she don't have blonde hair so long story short clearly this is Ruby because she goes to the um to the mirror and is like wake up because she clearly thinks she in a dream and before we deep that I do want to props say props to the actresses um that portray who we soon find out is Hillary Davenport the white woman um, great actress doing this this episode. Um, I think she played herself well as well as Ruby playing, you know, the inter- intertwining. So props to both actresses. But um, of course, in her confusion um, as a white woman, who we know as Ruby, um, <laughs> some way somehow she gets she comes out to the street. And she's like looking around and black people looking at her like, where's this white woman in this silk robe coming from? Oh my God, what is wrong with you ladies? <laughs> and she's looking at everybody and everybody looking at her. Don't bring your white um, problems here. <laughs> and then we see a poor innocent boy bumping to her. Well, she bumping to him because she frantic, you know, not understanding what's going on, because she thinks she Ruby Baptiste, which is her official name. Um, and out of the blue, here come the policemen saviors. I don't even know where they came from, um, but they happen to be patro- patrolling the streets. And they pull their car over, and, you know, the typical scene. Um, and I thought it was interesting that as a white woman, Ruby still put her hands up just because inside she was a black woman. Mm-hmm. Like, and we talked about that in episode three about just that is the assume the position, even now in 2020. Um, that's just what you have to do, hands up, no questions asked. So 
the police, of course, they get out there and start harassing little boy quickly. And Ruby, I think this is at the moment she realizes I can use my whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just kind of is like, you know, he didn't do anything. And they're like this animal and, you know, this stereotypical stuff. But let's be real. That's still the same stuff that they say to us. So it's it's really a reality. Um, assuming the black man is wrong. And in this case, a little teenage boy. But the police officers are like, like coming to save this white woman in a black neighborhood. And they're like, come get in the car with us. Uh, you'll be safe with us. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And of course, black people are still looking like, what just happened? Um, but anyway, I thought, it was, and you know me, Jeff, I'm being on the soundtrack and we'll talk about that too. Um, but I thought it was interesting that the song on the radio and the police car was, You Belong to Me. And I'm kind of convinced that, you know, whoever's doing these soundtracks are picking the perfect songs. They may not be the same time frame. I think this that song playing was. But overall, I think they picked the perfect songs for each seat, for each scene yeah. so far that I've seen in episodes. They seem like they're working hand in hand with the, um, the directors, you know, really like, OK, what music can fit this scene? And I think yeah. it's a you know it's a working relationship with that, and it may not be the uh, director; it could be you know a, a producer or a writer. Somebody is working really well and picking the right songs for the um, some of these scenes, and especially with the yes. poem, especially the poem in this episode too. Yeah, it definitely gives um, the the vibe an extra oomph to it in each scene that you hear the music, um, but. Right now, right now, her being in the car, she's trying to explain, like, don't take me back there. Um, evidently, William has called in, and maybe that's where the police came from. They moved to look for a white lady. Um, but basically, I guess William had given them this story that she has fits and she needs her pills. So, of course, she looks like the frantic white woman talking about, don't take me back there. You can't take me back there. And they're like, um, this is the first scene, too, that we get into her, like, Something isn't right. Like, we start seeing veins and her contorting a little bit. And you hear, like, I guess, like, the sound of cracking bones. And I'm like, okay, what is really going on with her? Um, And the police officers, they're still like, "Um, are these the fits that he was talking about? So, clearly, William has keyed them in on this and just, you know, kind of gave them this background story so they get her back to him. And then, of course, we see William. We're back at the mansion at their home. Um, he takes her in. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but I was like, so so we're just going to kill the white lady on the plastic. Because um, William just lays her on the floor. And I'll just keep, I'll call her Ruby because that's who she is. Um, and you see her twisted in agony and something is crawling in her. And I'm like, again, no snakes. Please don't let there be no snakes. Oh boy! <laughs> please, please, <laughs> My God! Please, please don't let me. I'm worried. I'm definitely worried for you because I feel like you building this shit up, and it's gonna come when you least expect it. I'm just saying. I just don't need that in my life. I just, I just don't. But anyway, we still see her wiggling, and you know, even telling William, "I don't want to die." But the interesting part of this is the TV that's going on, the black and white TV show, and the news reporter um, is in kind of in the background as we're seeing this all going with Ruby. We hear him talking about this swarm of locusts that are going over North Africa with um, Britain in their eyesight and kind of tells the story of how they 
basically go through a metamorphosis, these particular lotus. And after, I think it was like a week, um, they, they grow wings and they devour everything that's in their path. So I think, and in previous episodes, we typically do get those, you know, um, kind of like summaries, I guess, of what we're, if we're about to face. So listening to that story, I was like, okay, so clearly Ruby is inside this white person and it's kind of like a cocoon kind of thing and she's going to come out. But as the story is going on, we see William with a knife and he just is like, stop fighting it. You're prolonging it. And he commences to stab this lady right in her chest. But it doesn't kill her. It only <laughs> takes the bot, the white body and rips it from Ruby. Like we see a little eyeball in the throat and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what is going on? And finally, I guess at this point, we start seeing that really is Ruby trapped in the body, which we knew already. We just didn't understand how at this point. And from there, we find out that clearly there's some metamorphosis going on and this clearly is another magic situation. Um, and they kind of leave them there. I, I, if I remember correctly, and we kind of go back to like Jeff was saying, we, where we left off with Yaima and Montrose had, um, just slit her throat. Say he said he saw, he was sorry before, but he slit her throat. So we see him sitting in a chair. He still got blood under his fingernails. I don't know how long, um, Letty and, Tick had left him alone, but I assume long enough for him to get rid of the body. It seems like it's the next day. Okay, because he was just sitting there. So <laughs> I'm gonna just keep this this scene short and sweet. Uh, Macho's pretty much tells them that Yaima is gone, and Tick immediately goes, "Where's the papers?" And Macho's doesn't really say anything, but Tick knows he destroyed them, and Tick commenced to whipping that ass. I think this has been built up um, <laughs> since Tick came back to Chicago. Um, it was just a really hard ass whooping. Like, he terrified Letty in the process. Oh, he scared um, the shit out of her. But it was, ass, it, it was an ass whooping that I think came from more. Uh, it, it, he was angry, but I think it came more from everything. Just from, from he was younger, just everything he put him through, even into now. And it was just like... Nah, I'm going to fuck you up. Because it just don't even matter. I'm just tired of your shit. Yeah, and I think also at that point that he knew Yaima wasn't gone. Like, she didn't walk out. I yeah, think he knew. That, too, played played a part in, like, you telling me she gone, that doesn't even make sense. This lady doesn't even know this world, you know? So, that, that yeah, it was a lot of built up from childhood forward. So, yeah. And like I said, he scared Letty to the point she was screaming. And, you know, people in the boarding house, guys had to come and, you know, get Tick off of him. And um, Tick ran looking for the pictures. He, he was thinking Letty took some pictures of the papers. And we kind of get a close-up after that intense moment that Letty is standing there with a baseball bat shaking because it just that primal anger that Tick was showing, I don't think she had ever seen that before. So that, again, on top of everything that they've been going through, to see that side of him just, you know, for that moment brings another, I guess, like a a little weird moment between them two. Um, 
but we go back <laughs> once all of that is calmed down. It's a lot going on with like in the first, what, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Um, we get back to Ruby and William, you know, thankfully she's well, she's laying back in the bed. Um, but again, not to delve too much into this scene. We basically get an understanding of what happened. You know, William is talking to her about Hiram Epstein again, which is, we, we know from previous episodes, is a guy that stole some pages as well as Titus um, stole pages from the Book of Names. Um, he just, he's talking about how Epstein opens different universes, which, of course, takes us back to that um, metal planetarium thing that we still haven't caught up with Hippolyta, but that kind of plays into that, that we know that he is capable of doing that kind of universe stuff. But William goes into details about how he wanted to um, use the concept or the thought of metamorphosis um, on humans, and clearly that was a success. Um, so he kind of leaves Ruby a potion and some money, and I don't, you know, it was a nice little amount of money, but um, she was more concerned with the potion. She claimed she wasn't going to do it again, but she did it again. Mm. So um, I think at that point, she, what was the, the line, the biggest thing out of that scene was she said, um, I don't I'm I love being black I love being a woman but I'm tired but the world keeps interrupting and I thought that was deep for as far as a black female like we get it like no matter our goals our dreams things like that the way the world thinks the way the world acts the way the world you know treats us it always interrupts what we can be so we have to fight even harder we have to do any do everything twice as better um yeah i'm sorry i thought that <clears throat> i thought that was very interesting uh speaking from a male's perspective because during the episode you got to see exactly what she was saying and i mean i'm just talking about the women part i'm not even getting into the whole black and white thing yet but just being a woman and the things they, you know, they had to endure and, you know, women still endure now um, with the whole job thing and her actually finding out what really happened. And it, 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 you just see and how quick a man is to get a job. <laughs> like, did you see how quick the white version of Ruby got that job? And I'm just like, wow, assistant manager. Wow. Yeah. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. And the way he, mm-hmm. you know, just threw himself on her and she, you know, she had to be very, you know, it was, it was a turnoff, but I guess in that time, that's what women did had to do to get by. And it's just like, that's crazy. That's like insane. And hope, you know, it's not like it used to be, but you know, you still have those things that happen out there. Those things that are not talked about. It's just that more people are speaking out now, which I'm glad women are speaking out now. Cause that is some fucked up shit that, you know, so many people have to endure or, or, you know, to get ahead, you have to do this. And not to mention when Ruby was saying, I'm a black woman. Well, I got to do all this and more. And I got to mm-hmm. put my head down every time with a white person around. So it's just like, come on, man. But yeah. Yeah. And, and that, I think, even prior to her going into the, um, 
department store and getting that job. Um, just us getting that quick glimpse of her walking down the street and this time being aware of herself. And like you briefly mentioned, Jeff, as far as the, the black girl song, the poem um, that comes from the, the um, collection that's actually called for colors girls who have commit who have considered suicide but are moving to the ends of their rainbows and i i know maybe some people are familiar with the um the movie that was made tyler perry made with you know janet jackson um it was a few i'm not gonna yeah. go down a, a lot of people list, but a lot of yeah yuck but i hate that, I hate that movie Man, I, I, I thought that was a uh really good episode just to see how she went in and got free ice cream mm -hmm. just by being a pretty white girl. Um, just being able to sit on the bench in the park and read the newspaper um, yeah, peace. without, yeah, without anybody looking, without saying why you here, you know? So just to have that, I wouldn't say lighthearted aspect, but I guess, you know, beside Freedom. everything else that was going on during that time, just having that moment to see the comparison, like this is what y'all get to do every day. Yeah, like, she had that freedom as a white woman that she didn't have troubles. She didn't have those same troubles. Well, that same added troubles of being black that she normally would. Now she was just a woman. Yeah. So that, um, that was, that was a nice, you know, contrast to see, see her and just, I guess in a moment, just being happy too, just, you know, mm -hmm. enjoying life without that stress of being that black woman. Um, we then moved to that to thankfully Tick and Letty, you know, they kind of talk things out and then they talk things out. <laughs> they, uh -huh. they're, you know, um, intense, definitely not the like the first sex scene yeah, and they, i would they, think this isn't the second they, but they, they they were doing some fucking fucking so uh yeah i got you so they they clearly made up so so our you know our two heroes we we happy that they back on the same same track um this is where we where you were talking about jeff when she goes to the department store ruby as a white woman um which we later find out her like i said her name is hillary davenport <laughs> um again sound choice cardi b um <laughs> money so you know i think it's it's interesting that they use you know up-to-date music to portray these scenes that are like in 1955 but they are still relatable um, and like Jeff mentioned, just going in there, showing a little bit of her resume. I thought it was funny how she was trying to make up a story and, <laughs> and try not to sound black, but she kept, she was like, yeah, me and my sister let it, um, <laughs> he was like, my, my mother, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, eventually she gets the job assistant manager and the thing about that was when she like, got first introduced to the black girl Tamra, I think that was her name. Um, it was just interesting how she was trying to figure out how she got the job. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe Jeff, you can tell your opinion on this. When she found out that Tamra didn't even do half of the stuff that she had done as Ruby, um, she got a little mad. I don't know if she got jealous or angry at her because she like slid the lotion over to her. She was like, you're a bit ashy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
Somebody was sassy. Yeah, she she was in her feelings when she when she found out. I, when she especially when she found out. Oh, I, I didn't make. I just got to the seventh grade. It was just like what? Oh, you must have went and took the classes. No, I didn't even know nothing about. Oh, yes, she was like, hmm. So here I am working my my tail off to get these credentials. And, and I, I I still don't think it hit Ruby how yet. And it's like, I think I picked yeah. up on it. I kind of picked up on it after that. I was like, oh, she I know what she did. And he and you know she's kind of just like Ugh, whatever. And then she kind of like was using her whiteness to. Not pick with her, but she just had she had, she was in her feelings. That she was definitely in her feelings. Yeah, it was it was just it was just interesting how she like even even though we know it's Ruby, this I could only imagine how Tamara felt this white lady walking up to her, <laughs> like talking to her, just you know, like, um, how did you get here? I heard you applied on a whim and she was like, Did I tell you that? And again, Ruby just trying to find her way in this white woman body. So I thought I thought it was funny but she was still trying to, you know, keep it keep it a secret, but it would kept slipping up. The thing about this is when you do this, when you do the whole um white black thing, white person being black and black person being white, and they were doing it as far as, you know, you actually changing you have to be very careful with it. And I thought they did a good job of not overstepping, you know, at that line where it becomes cringeworthy. Like you like, I don't know about this. Like, Hey girl. Yeah. Like, like she made, like it would have been too extra. Cause you no, know, we've seen countless movies where you know, soul man and all mm-hmm. types of stuff. And you know, when you do it right, it can be done right. Like, look at Tropic Thunder. It was done exactly right and done what was supposed to be done. And then you like, on the other spectrum of that, it's Soul Man, where it's just like, ugh, what the fuck is this? And what were we thinking? So, yeah, I thought they, they did a good job with it. This is a little bit different. It's nobody putting on no makeup, but it's still that whole, this white person is really black and this black person is acting like a white person. So I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, and that's why I said I applaud the the actress that played Hillary um, slash Ruby. Um, I think she even picked up on some of the natural things that Ruby does as a true black woman. Yeah. But like you said, doesn't overstep it, especially in this in this scene that I was getting ready, just this brief scene when they were in the back room with the other um, ladies, the white ladies. And they told her to try on the stilettos and she walking like what we know a black girl know how to sw- typically switch her hips and, you know, get on beat. And they were amazed by that. <laughs> so, um, again, it's something that it's just instinctively there, but they didn't overdo it. So um, they just showed that, you know, Ruby's still in there, but she playing a part. And I thought that was interesting that they were talking about the black girl and, and Ruby again holding composure um, as they were talking about her like she was an animal, basically. And, you know, of course she's underqualified. She's, she's a black, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's just because the reality of it is those conversations happen every day. Like, yeah. like behind the scenes, behind every HR department, every supervisor, those conversations happen somewhere yeah. every day. And not to mention, they're like, oh, you think she'll take us to the south side? And, they, and Ruby was like, not having that shit. She's like, um, no, it ain't nothing to see there or whatever. You know, let's get back to work. Fuck all that shit. 
Yeah, which kind of told on it because they were like, oh, you've been there before, you know, still realizing this is a white lady that they see. So um, basically, yeah, Tamara got coaxed into, you know, I guess that was the, the thing that they were going to get Tamara to take them to the South Side because, again, everybody likes black culture, but nobody wants to be black. They just wanted to be around it. They wanted to be, um, and which was funny because I was sitting there talking and I was just like, I was talking to somebody and I was like, you know what's funny about this? The funny thing about this is we were more invited of, of white people coming to, well, you saw the white people coming to the South Side than they were of them coming to the North Side. They didn't want no part. Like, if you went over there, been. you was going to get uh, lynched, killed, beat up, whatever it may have been. But if they come over there, it's more, you know what I'm saying? we more like, okay, they're here, whatever. It is what it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. you still see that now. Like, it's it's literally like that still now. And you can just see how the world works where it's like you got your MAGAs and then you got us. And it's just that dynamic still is here just bigger but not as on front street as it was well now with our president it's kind of kind of getting those same vibes again but you know um i don't even want to get on that but yeah it's definitely that vibe that you know it's okay to go to the black neighborhood but as far as you know us being welcomed in their neighborhoods it's a no-go but um, since the women have already spoken about it, um, and I guess it's the end of the day at this point, and they walk outside, and we see all lovely William waiting for Ruby slash Hillary, and of course the women are oogling at him, Man, you know, up. Them girls were excused by expression. They were all getting moist. I said, look at them women out here. Like, <laughs> they see this this blonde hair white man. They going crazy. So they were just, they, you know, of course they were like, oh, he here for you, you know, and you know, y'all know the office little gossip anytime the man picks the woman up. But um, at this point now just have to go back earlier in the episode when William gave her the potion, he was like, you're, you, you know, you're welcome to do whatever you want to do with this. I, they're just a, come a day that you need to do something for me. So clearly this is the point where William is like, remember that, that um, favor that I need you to do. And he's like, look in the back. There's a, uh, I just need you to go to this party. And there's a, a box in the back of the seat. He was like, this got your name all over. And of course it's a maid outfit. So we clearly know that he doesn't want her to go to this party as a white woman. Um, and he's like, Christina will give you details when you get there. So um, we get to, I guess this now is the lodge that the, the sheriff is a part of or is trying to be a leader in. Um, it's just a bunch of stuffy white men, clearly, like at this cocktail party. And Ruby walking around like, if I could hit all of them in their head with the silver platter. She would. <laughs> I would. So this just sheriff seems like he wants to be the number one dude now. He wants to be that dude. And for reasons he's not. And I think it's because he's not um is it because he's not blood or something? I don't know, because we're gonna get to this in a little bit, because I got a question. Um, but basically with Ruby, um, again, like like you said, Jeff, I guess this is a scene where he's trying to 
get elevated into the lodge in a higher position. And um, we just see the nonchalant way that white people treat her. And I think just having these few days as a white woman, Ruby, Ruby really wasn't feeling it because she just seen both both sides of it. Um, but we see Christina finally show up and they kind of do this little secretive meeting behind a wall. And Christina basically wants um, Ruby to hide a piece. Um, I guess it looked like a little artifact or something. She just wants Ruby to put it into the captain's office. And of course, Ruby is like, I don't know about that. And then she gives her a sob story about William. And clearly this captain shot William and left him for dead. And I don't know if that's going to play later on in, in the story or not, um, but it was just like a sob story that Christina gave Ruby to convince her to hide this thing. Um, at this point, <laughs> it gets a little weird because we get Ruby into the house. I mean, excuse me, in the office. But when she's in there, I guess didn't know the captain was coming back. She hears this rumbling in the closet, and when she opens it, it's this man that's just hanging there. Um, I think his throat was slit. Um, definitely his tongue was cut out. Man, he was all fucked um, up in the game. Yeah. <laughs> he was all and fucked she, up in the game. And she was, you know, trying not to throw up. She looking like, oh my God, what is this? But of course she got a hat, so she got to get in there with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was about to snitch on both of them. I was like, she put her hand over his mouth and everything. Shut your white ass up. <laughs> so here we go, Jeff. Um, so we see the captain come in and he's talking to two guys, and I guess these his little henchmen, and he tired of you know, I guess being a suck up trying to get whatever position he trying to get, and he like, I'm sweating like a pig. Give me a shirt. And when he takes his shirt off, we see that he has the torso of a black man. His head is white and his arms are white, but his chest and torso area are black. Now, I don't know where this going to play into it. I don't know if we're going to get more information on that. I don't know what your thoughts, Jeff, when you saw that. Man, I ain't had no thoughts. I just said, what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I was, I was like, did they kill a black man or did a white man die? Like, I'm confused. So I don't, I hope we get a little bit more on that, but it was just weird to see like this racist captain, is you know talking about black people, but you half a black man yourself. Man, I don't know so what he I, is. I don't know what he is. Don't do that. <laughs> we don't know what he is. He might be I'm a creature like, or some shit. I don't know what. What's wrong with him? I I just I just don't I don't know. But safe to say, our Ruby got out of there safely because she go to the store the next day, <clears> and I think she forgot she was white. Cause she started talking to Tamra about white people, and cause they got more shit going on than you can even imagine. <laughs> she was like, they had white people with the tongues cut out in their closets with no explanation. And Tamra is looking at her like, this white lady keeps cutting. This is the second time this white lady came to me talking to me like she know me. <laughs> like, yeah, she ready to pop. So, yeah, she she totally forgot who, what, when, and where. But um. <laughs> 
eventually the um mr hughes he comes over he he's like oh is everything okay and you can see Tamara tense up a little bit and you know ruby comes back to her senses that she is hillary and she's like oh no i was just getting um tamra to um commit to taking us to the to the bar in the south side and so you know of course with her two bosses standing there tamra is just kind of like oh okay you know yeah not really saying too much um so so um i guess we can go back because i wanted to talk about montrose more so in a whole um because during this after that beatdown that tick gave him um i think jeff you mentioned it briefly he went to his secret lover, which I don't think really is a secret in a certain circle. Mm-hmm. It's just a secret to everybody else, um, which is Sammy. Um, again, awesome pick for the song. Oh, when that song um, played, listen, let me tell you something. When Bad Religion <laughs> came on, I knew what time it was. Now, yes. did I know how graphic it was going to be? I did not know that. But when I heard Bad Religion, <laughs> I knew what time it was going to be. I said, oh. This is the Bobby. This is, but they about to get it in. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's like still a classic album to me. I play that on repeat. Frank Ocean, he, where you at? You need to come out with something else. But, um, yeah. So we clearly get confirmation, um, from what Tree has previously said. Yep. Um, that this is him and Sammy are clearly sexual. Um, we don't know at this point if it's a relationship. It's just like just two men fucking. It just, it just. I think, of course, at this point, Sammy was in love with him. We see a aspect of it where he's trying to kiss Montrose, but that doesn't happen. Um, so we can tell that he clearly wants more than Montrose is willing to give him. Like I said, perfect um, choice of song as far as nothing worse than being in love with somebody that don't love you. Um, so yeah, props to them for that. Um, but after we also did a scene where I guess after the sex scene with them, um, they're with all the drag Queens and they're getting ready for this drag queen ball that's about to happen. And, it was interesting, like I said, that clearly it's not a secret because they was talking about Montrose like he won't sit in there. They was like, are y'all together or not? <laughs> you know? And Montrose wasn't saying much in this scene. He, I, don't, I don't even think he had two lines in this whole No, he, he didn't. He didn't He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He just sat there. It's almost he sat there like a child. Like, he didn't know what to say. Like, he was just yeah, like... Yeah, he, he just didn't. started drinking out the flask. Yeah. He didn't, yeah, he didn't. He, the only time he talked was the beginning of that episode when he said gone when mm-hmm. they asked about Yaima. That oh. was it. So props to him for his acting, you know, without even saying anything. Yeah. Like his it was whole, it was all emotional. All emotional face and body. Cause uh you yeah. could, with this scene you could just tell that <clears throat> they're, you know, doing their little song and dance thing and he uh he Sammy goes to uh grab Montrose and Montrose is kinda like apprehensive at first. But then he kinda like he opens up and he kinda like you could tell he, for that for a moment, he felt free. Like, he was okay with it. You saw him smiling. He started dancing. And it was like, oh, okay. Then, you know, he's being himself. And I guess in that moment he was. But we don't know how long that's going to last. So, 
we'll see. Yeah, and what and the thing before we get to that part is because I think the 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 lead into that was in the same scene where we're back, you know, back um, stage with the drag queens getting ready and things like that. Um, I thought it it they did another kind of like. Um, flashback to the metamorphosis of this whole episode when Sammy was talking about this seductive dance and it was it was in Latin lotialis metamorphosis and so at that point I knew that okay we about to see maybe Montrose go through something now I didn't know if he was going to reject this lifestyle or if he was going to you know truly be happy but like you like you mentioned once the drag ball, um, drag queen ball began, and he just, I took it that he was just in a place where he finally could be who he was. Like when he outstretched his arms, that was his metamorphosis. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to hide this anymore. This is where I'm happy. This is the person that makes me happy. And when he grabbed Sammy um, and actually kissed him, so I think that was their first kiss um, ever. It was, to me, I was like, okay, we've been dealing with Ruby and this black-white woman thing, but Montrose is going through his own thing right now where it's like, this is where I'm happy, and I don't need to hide this part of me. I got somebody that really loves me. Yeah. So I thought that was beautiful in that aspect. In that moment, in that place, there was nobody judging him, and he didn't feel judged, and it was just like, okay, everybody here is, is fine. I'm safe. That was his safe space for that moment. Yeah, so I definitely, I definitely, and again, another great song choice. Um, I don't know who the um, artist is, but The Lonely World, you know, that was playing during that time where, you know, imagine being a black man during that time, having to admit that you're gay, you know, and then also you were married and had a child and, you know, that's a complicated thing. And I can only imagine that solitude that he felt before that moment. So it was a lot in that. And just to digest it all, I thought it was a beautiful scene. Just to accept yourself and that, that you know, unlimited un- freedom that, that he got in that moment. Mm-hmm. But um, back to our Ruby crew, <laughs> they finally, um, the same night, um, get to the bar and I thought it was interesting as the three white women then Ruby slash Hillary and Tamra were sitting at the table Tamra and our Ruby in a white white woman's body they had the same mannerisms like so they were sitting there drinking like this is the most uncomfortable thing in the world but it was a white woman sitting by Tamra doing this so I, again, we still see Ruby shining through. Like we never lose our actress, you know, that plays Ruby, which I thought was great. Like we we don't get so lost in it that we forget reality. Um, eventually, I guess at this point, um, Ruby had had enough of this. <laughs> like, just she was tired of seeing these white women dancing with oogling and trying to dance on a black man. Like we were just props to them. So I think she just got tired of it and she went outside and had this very up close personal metamorphosis again back to herself. Um, Props to the special effects crew because they make sure that you see everything. Mm, So I thought 
it, it looks realistic. So prop to props to them. Graphic. <laughs> so we basically see her crawling and this white body peeling off of her. Um, and she's in the alleyway. Thank God she found a coat because I don't know how she was gonna get back in. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, coat. I was like, how the fuck is she gonna do? Is she naked? What's supposed to happen there? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what happened with that. But um, in the midst of this, so nobody can see her, thankfully. But we kind of hear Mr. Hughes pretty much harassing Tamara. So back to your point, Jeff, that kind of makes sense why she got that job is because he probably hired her or intimidated her to accept the job. And I don't know if this was the first time that he tried to have sex with her or not because the way he was talking, I'm not sure. See, what um, I, I took it as she may have did something, was forced to do something sexually with him, and that's how she got the job. And when she, and when she got the job and he wanted to do it again, she wasn't having it. She's just like, no, you know, fuck out of here. Yeah, because she, you know... And he was bit, he was really vulgar, and I'm glad she bit him and she got away from him. But you know, too late because Ruby saw that. So Ruby, um, I guess it, at some point she walked back to their mansion. I, I have no idea. She carries the skin um, with her too. If you saw the skin was like right beside her on the couch. I was like, ugh. And she just was. That's again, like I don't the transformation. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out who cleans up after this, or do it just magically disappear? You might have to do your old clean up. Because <laughs> that was a lot of skin and blood and stuff. I don't know how that works. Um, but anyway, I guess Ruby found her way back to William's house, and, you know, she's sitting there waiting for him, and he actually comes from the basement, which... Ruby has already referenced why is the basement always locked? Why is that the only door that's locked? And he's like, give me a minute. And <laughs> we see him like, you know, no, I apologize. This wasn't when William was there. This was um, Christina when she came out mm -hmm. and she referenced the basement was locked. And so her and Christina have a little talk as far as you know, you missed the whole point that William was trying to give you about magic. Like, oh, it's that freedom to do whatever you want. So what the fuck do you want to do, Ruby? I, I'm so sorry to cut across you, but I forgot I put this in my phone because I put it in my phone because I did not have a pencil or pen and I wanted to remember this. You know what was so good about this episode? When you saw um, William and um, uh, what's the woman name again? The white woman? I'm bad. Christina. Christina. They had the same cadence. If you listen to them talk, it was the same damn cadence. And I picked up on that early and I was like, oh, she right. I didn't know, excuse me, I didn't know if we was going to hear it or we was going to see it this episode. But I was like, she right. She is so right. I was like, Tiffany is right. Because I was like, they talking the same. They got the like same beat the way they talk. Anyway, I just had to get that out. Yeah. Oh, you're fine, but yeah, that that was the moment that Christine, I guess, and Ruby had a heart-to-heart, -heart, and Christina was like, who are you uninterrupted? That's what magic is for, to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, <laughs> what I like to call uninterrupted Ruby, 
Oh my. Um, we see that she does one last transformation to oh Hillary um, to to quit her job. Um, and she's just like, you know, I, I have to leave. And he's kind of looking like, but why? Why? And <laughs> she's like, because I, if I'm your subordinate, I can't fuck your brains out. So the scene, I'm like, okay, what's going on with this? Don't know where this is leading to, but hmm, okay. So she gets him all tied up, pants down, ass up. You know, he all excited. He, you know, he even mentions in this, like, I was going to talk to you about firing Tamara because she's not, you know, you know, up to the position. But we all know why he want to fire her at this point. And we know Ruby knows, too. So she gets him all naked, all excited. <laughs> And we are another excellent soundtrack, Cardi B. Um, I don't know any other way to say it, but Ruben starts slamming that stiletto up his ass. Um, Repeatedly. Yeah. Repeatedly and to the point I was like, please stop. <laughs> he crying. She got his her panties in his mouth so nobody can hear him screaming. He is crying. Um... Yeah. And in the midst of it, you know, she starts going back to who she truly is. And in reference to him calling Tamara a nigga bitch, she looked him dead in the eyes and said, I want you to know that a nigga bitch did this to you. And it was so empowering, like just <laughs> not to the point, like not support a rape, but just that point that Ruby had no limits in that scene. Like she just went straight, you know, she was I'm going to get him back she, for she, everything that he did. Yeah. She was uninter uninterrupted. <laughs> yep. so. And it took, it took it back to that news reporter, like at the very, very first part of the episode when it said, once they get, um, grow their wings and they destroy everything in their path, that's what she was doing in that scene. She destroyed him. This racist, this this rapist, potential rapist, you know, this, you know, just against women, figuring that they, you know, got so much education and he's surprised. Like, every stereotype that he could be as a black, uh, excuse me, as a white man, she just devoured it in that scene. And again, like I said, the song, you know... <laughs> These is red bottoms. These is bloody shoes. Literally. <laughs> These was bloody shoes. Um, so yeah. Um let's and after that, I, I think um it was good to go to a semi-calm little Please. area with Pick and Letty. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to do anything after all that blood and skin coming off and yeah this this is a this was a sweet scene because it was <laughs> it was it was the conversations that you have with that person that you you know you talking to or y'all dealing with each other and it was the conversation that needed to be had and i think they had a chance to be open and honest with each other as far as as far as their relationship and where was it going and what was what yeah. may have been holding them back from saying you know the things they needed to say or do the things they needed to do because right now they just fucking that's just the reality so they got feelings for each other yeah but they just still just kind of fucking but this this kind of was like more of well yeah i had somebody when i was in over um was in when i was in the war in south korea south korea 
And she's more like, well, I don't know how to love and I don't think love is pretty much I don't believe in love because of my mother. Cause she fell yeah. in love so much and they being honest with each other, you know, and tickets just like, but I know this is special. And she kind of like smile and, you know, give them the googly eyes and all that. So this is a cute scene. I like this scene. Cause it was those conversations that we've all had before. Where, um, hopefully, uh, where it's no bullshit. It's just being honest. Yeah. And I, I think they just confirmed that, you know, they were going to try to make this work, even in this crazy world that they living through right now. Mm-hmm. They were going to, you know, this is special. This is something we're going to commit to to make it work. Um, so, yeah, after Ruby, we're going to go right back to her. Um, <laughs> she has devoured Mr. Hughes. Um, she, again, comes back to the mansion. You know, I guess this is her second home at this point. Her and William, you know, Shacking some kind up. of connection there. <laughs> Shacking up. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, she again is wrapped up and, you know, kind of sitting there waiting for him and he comes out the basement and it's, it's like, um, why y'all keep going down there? Why is that the only door that's locked? Blah, blah, blah. And you can tell William is like, didn't expect her to be sitting there. And he's like, give me a minute. Like, just give me a minute. But of course she's still standing there. Like, you gonna explain something like what is going on? Um, and then we see the transformation, which is the confirmation that Christina is indeed, um, William. And I think Ruby was more like, y'all, you've been Christina the whole damn time. Like, I, I think she was going, going back to the sex thing. <laughs> like, I think. Yeah. That was- <laughs> She's probably like, was I fucking a man? I'm not sure now. <laughs> so that only was I fucking a white man. No, I was fucking a white woman. Like, she, we'll just like, say we we'll just say you had a or uh, uh what'd you call it? A three way. That's all it was. A three way. Man, that that that's more than three way because Ruby a white woman, so that's that's four. <laughs> it's it's a lot going a on. Orgy it's, going it's on, ain't nothing wrong. So yeah, so again, you know, props to everybody that even, you know, saw it before I did. Christina and William are definitely the same people. We still don't know what's in the basement. Um, I don't know if that's going to come out later. Not sure. We will stay tuned for that. Yeah, I guess we'll find um, out. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Because I, like I was saying offline, um, they can do the transformation any, anyway. So I, I'm not sure what's locked down there. Okay, um, hold on. Is Was that the end of the scene? That was the end of the episode, right? No, no, no. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah, okay. Remember, go ahead, go ahead. Tick go ahead. goes to yeah, yeah. Um, translating. So he's still working on translation. Because during this whole time, everything going on with Ruby, everything going on with Montrose, Tick is still studying these papers. Oh, oh. And- before that, too, they were studying their papers before. And Letty is telling him basically... This is all evil. Like we need to stop, and you know, because it, it's not bringing no good. It's all evil, and he's saying basically we need to take the power and use it for good for our people. So that right. was the big riff that was happening between them before, um, you know, they got to talking uh, at the end of the episode, close to the end of the episode. Yeah. So, all, and during this time, Tick is uh, trying to translate and figure out these papers. Um, 
And he, you know, kind of figures out a few letters just based on some things that were already translated. Then his initials match um, from the ring, um, the Sons of Adam ring. He was able to match the the symbols. And it was interesting because one of the symbols was also on the piece of artifact that Christina had Ruby put in the captain's office. So, again, all of this is tied. We don't necessarily know what that symbol means just yet. Um, I don't know if it's to put a hex. Maybe it's like a a futuristic magical hearing device. (laughs) I'm not sure so she can spy on him. But I thought it was interesting that the papers had that symbol as well. So, again, I feel like we're going to get some more information as the episodes go on. Um, But at this point... Tick is translating and then we start seeing him writing things down and kind of getting frantic and like, oh no, oh no. And we're like, what is it? Like, you know, always on them TV shows, you like, turn the paper so I can see. I don't know what you're writing. <laughs> like, but you could see that clearly it was something important. And you see him run and call the same lady in South Korea. And he's like, how did you know? How did you know? And she was like, I told you, why didn't you listen to me? And he was like, who, what are you? And she just hangs up on him. And we kind of see on the pit on the paper, it says die. So clearly something, I don't know if this is that ticks, um, you know, end result that he's going to die. Somebody got to die. Um, Again, they're great with the cliffhangers. Not quite sure. So now we definitely need to understand who this lady is because clearly she knows way more than even Tick knows at this point. Um, But yeah, that's how the episode fades out once again. Yeah. um, They definitely know how to do cliffhangers. You are definitely right about that. Um, I thought it was just... Another solid episode, man. No matter my feelings about it, if I thought it was a filler or not, I thought it was a nice episode. I, I just thought the the character, I think the character of Montrose was the best thing about that because the episode for me, because I just, I found that that was really interesting because I always go back to that time period and, you know, thinking about how hard it was just being black, but also being, oh, well, I'm gay, but I had a wife and a kid. And, but I got to hide this because, it's going to make me look weak or I'm not, people going to look at me different. And all those emotions and things he had to uh, probably be dealing with at that time, it was probably, you know, it was probably the most difficult thing he had to do. And, you know, for that moment or for that night, he was, he got to have some fun. He got to have, got to be free. And I, I thought that that's, that's what stuck out for me in this episode. And like I said, the cliffhangers, they always get you ready for the next episode. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Because pretty much Tick and Letty played the backfield this uh, episode. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be interested to see if they, de- you know, dig a little or delve a little bit more into Montrose and Sammy's relationship. Or was this just the episode to kind of, like, wrap clarify. that up? Yeah, kind of clarify. Like, yes, it's true what uh, Tree said. But we didn't see Tree. But I want to see how he and um, if he's going to, you know, open up to Tick and Letty about it. So that's why I said I wonder if they're going to delve more into it. This is episode number five and we didn't see Tree. And I'm excited about that. (laughs) He and Philly. Philly. (laughs) Yeah. 
could, but his ass might just wind up. Oh, I just took this elevator and just popped up here. <laughs> well, I hope I hope Hippolyta and Diana okay. I hope we you know catch up with them. But I think next episode is gonna be like a flashback, so we definitely gonna get some more information on this mysterious young lady um, that Tick keeps calling. So hmm, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm 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 like. I'm, I enjoy HBO because I'm not getting it in a binge, but I think we have come so accustomed to get things binged. And it's just like, yeah. you want to gobble it up, but you got to wait and be patient. So it's kind of like, okay, but I still want to like, I still want to binge. Cause even now my binging has kind of subsided now. I don't even binge the stuff like I used to. I might watch two or three episodes here and there. Just wait, wait, wait. And then watch some more. Um, but yeah. So, that's the only bad thing about this, but uh, it's a good thing too because you're not rushing the story, and you know you getting to sit there with these characters and you getting to really be invested in them and not just be invested in them for that moment. And then you know you on episode five and you like, wait a minute, what happened? Right, right. That's why I'm glad it's a lot of character development and we get to see everybody's you know background story and then they come together. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, It'll be exciting. Yeah, so we are going to get up out of here. Uh, if you heard us talking in the beginning, we clearly were talking about uh, <laughs> we were talking about another idea we had. So ignore that because I think I got that recorded at the beginning. But not only that's not anything. Don't worry about that. But if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Jeff versus the World on Twitter and Facebook. And on Instagram, it's the real uh, Jeff versus the world. If you want to follow Tiffany on Instagram, we'll say Instagram. Uh, yeah. It's quiet storm 80. Yes. Yeah, quiet underscore storm 80. Ah, there you go. And shout out to everybody who's been uh, rocking with us since episode one. Uh, we will keep on doing it uh, until the wheels fall off or at least until this season ends. Uh, until next week, we are out of here. Peace. Be safe, y'all.